Hi, friends. Welcome to the Blunt and Curious podcast. This is Erica. And this is Pam. And we're learning to be authentic through having real conversations. So please join us for this episode of the Blunt and Curious. Welcome to part two of our mini series. This is actually going to wrap up one of our first initial conversations with our friends, India, Jamaica, and Travel. So thank you so much for going along this journey with us. So again, part two of our mini series. And if you haven't listened to part one first, I would highly recommend like scooting out and going back and listening to part one and flowing through into this part of the conversation. I think that it'll definitely give a bit of insight into some of the terminology that we free flow through in the second part. And it'll give you a bit more of an understanding through the experiences and some of the things that we all talk about. And as we mentioned in part one, I definitely hope that everyone is recognizing we're all learning so much. And there's going to be some fun things that Eric and I will likely talk about on the Blunt and Curious in the future, whether it be on our own or with our friends again, um, or from our platform on Instagram and um to address, we've already learned so much, Erica. I would, I'd have to say, I don't think that's just for me. We've learned that we. No, no, it's definitely <laughs> not. We've, we've already. I, in our guest conversations, I've learned so much just from listening to other people's stories. Um, it's been, it's been really incredible to be learning. I mean, even just from this series, even just from this one conversation that we had to split into two parts because it was just so chock full of great learning experiences, right? Like we just, we wanted to, um, I don't know, we wanted to spread it out. We want to keep the conversation going. I, and I love that. And we are going to keep going. There's going to be more in this mini series as well, coming with a bit of variations of how we'll deal with like who's on and when they get to jump on, whether it is just Jamaica and Travel, or when we get to have India back into some conversations post this part two. But stay with us and keep learning. And Eric and I definitely are looking for your recommendations and your insight, things that may be mentioned that you have knowledge on or that you want to learn more about. We want to hear those things. We are doing our best of things that we're learning in the episode or things that we think are really important for deeper dives to take away from the episode. We are um, tagging our resources in our descriptions, and we're trying to make sure that that's also on our social platforms. So books terminology, et cetera. There's actually some really fun stuff. We made um, fun of Jamaica in a soft, sweet way in episode one. And we all are going to actually be corrected in a near conversation. And Jamaica is right. Um, And with that, I'm going to save that for a fun conversation, whether it be with Jamaica or how we handle on social media. But just know, like even all of us in these conversations, we're learning and continuing to grow. And that's really what life is about is like continuing evolving every day. We, if we stop learning, then what, what are we doing? So mm. thanks so much for taking time and joining with us and letting our friends be part of the experiences that you're hearing and looking forward to more of it. Can't wait. So jump in and Beware the language we, you know, as per usual, I have no holdbacks and very little control of my mouth when it comes to me getting like heated about stuff. And you'll see more of that in this episode as you listen in. So thanks. And again, go back to part one if you haven't finished it yet. This is just a heavy hitter and it's 
India, Travel. So the question on how do we take up space and how do we exist in space, you know, being black, <laughs> it gives us the audacity to be black today. Um, the fact that we're just born this way, we're just born black. You, there's no, there's no changing it. There's no getting around it. You're just black. Um, that said, there are certain things that we cannot do that white people can do. Even, even some um, non-Black people, even some people of color who are not Black can also do these things. Um, being Black is very unique in a sense because of marginalized communities outside of, you know, there's, there's, there's levels to this thing. And it's not to say that one is worse off or one is better off. There's just levels to this thing because things exist, you know, pay gaps among women. There's, you know, there's Black, white, and Asian women, because some in certain industries, white um, Asian women are paid more than white women in certain industries. Um, and then there's Black women, then there's Latinx women, you know, who are paid least. Um, but then when it comes down to innocence among women, Black girls are often seen as sexually mature as early as age five. Black boys are often seen as a threat as early as age six to 10. So there's a difference in how we experience life. Um, so that said, whenever it comes down to actually embracing certain spaces as a Black person, and I don't know if, if Travel and Jamaica, if you guys agree with this, but for me personally, I don't see myself as a woman before I see myself as Black because because if, if people saw me as a woman first, then I'd be making 76 cents on my dollar versus my 56 or 65 cents. They don't see me as a woman first. They see me as Black. So I know that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a hyper aware of the fact that I'm seen as Black before I'm seen as anything else. That said, the way that we take up space, the way that I take up space is much different than my counterpart, my, my woman counterpart would be at work. If we're in a meeting and a man is bulldozing my con a conversation that we're having and he's you know, interrupting and speaking over and, and saying all the, you know, it's like completely ignoring the fact that I have, a, that, that I was hired in my job for a reason and I have something to, to contribute to this team, you know, I can't interrupt him the same way that, you know, a white woman would be able to be like, okay, this is okay. I think that, you know, you're kind of taking away from the conversation. You're kind of deflecting here and I want to draw us back. She can say those things. I can't interrupt in that same way. I have to be more strategic in how I interrupt and how I, you know, play the game with him. And it really is just a game because if I were to say those things, then I'm not a team player. I, to be, be completely transparent, I once got fired from a job. And when I looked at what they put on my performance review, one of the things that was like, India yawned in a meeting. India yawned in a meeting. India yawned in a meeting. This was on my review as a part of the reason why I was being fired from a job. I yawned in a meeting because I'm not allowed to yawn in a meeting. Black people don't yawn, which is true. Black people do not <laughs> yawn, we don't. And it's my bad for forgetting that black people do not yawn. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's certain things, black people, we exist in a space where people dehumanizes so much just for the simplest of things and it doesn't even make sense they find different reasons different ways that you know whatever to like 
try to dehumanize us. So how we exist in certain spaces is just navigating them. Certain things are just inevitable. You're, you're never going to change the perceptions of, of the people that you encounter, but you have to work around them. And that's what you have to do if you want to make money, if you want to live in America, because it's the capitalistic society and there's no getting around that. So it's unfortunate, but what we do is we find our own joy and our own inner peace and we keep it kicking because that's what we do. <laughs> well, I, I like that you say that, like, we just keep it kicking. I've had the conversation more than a handful of times in a lot since we all last spoke even of I can't deal with that space. There's so many spaces where you just have to because you're black. God forbid we add the fact that you're a woman. And then holy fuck if we add you have natural black girl hair. Holy fuck if holy we fuck add if we that have to you're a trans black woman because that's, that's a whole different topic. Like that so we- I was about to say like that's, that's a whole different topic for everybody. White people, black people, church people, not church. That's the woo shit. Yeah. If we if we add into your queerness or your just maybe you were raised from a different country, but holy, if you are like European black, but in like a southern white space, or there's so. I, as a white woman, because I know I at least stand on I'm white, and then I am a woman, and I'm an identified queer woman in your space, let's fuck with it. Let's fuck with it, because I'm so tired of how many times I have to hear the stories that you're explaining, India. I'll never forget the moment in Brooklyn we got to talk about your journey through letting your natural hair be. And I know that is even a whole other conversation of space of, I only knew you in a space of this, you had this luscious white girl hair <laughs> and you. And that was like something that I, and it, it is because, you know, they, there's always this stigma about black hair. White people think, and it's true and not even and not even and for me it wasn't even so much white people think it was men think and you know black men whatever all of it men think black girls hair can't grow and in high school as you remember I had I had I had some inches like I had some natural inches I kept my hair pressed and you know I kept you have my little silk press going on I had some inches like I had some hang time and then when I got to college um for whatever reason I decided to relax no I relaxed my hair in high school I think I relaxed it in high school and I think I cut it senior year of high school right before I went to college. Don't know why I did that. I just did it on a whim. Um, and then after that, I just decided to go ahead and go natural, go back to, cause I had never had any chemical in my hair until I went to college. No, it was college. I'd never had chemical in my hair until I went to college and I had longer hair until then. And I was so proud of it because I thought, and this was at the same time where I didn't understand what it meant to be a black woman. I didn't understand my own blackness. I didn't feel comfortable in my own blackness just because I always felt as if black women were always dehumanized for the way that we talked, the way that we talked, walked, or the way that we, you know, presented emotion. And I never wanted to align myself with that view of black women. I wanted to try to be as assimilated to a certain view as possible because that's what I thought was the right way of doing things. I was 
I didn't know, you know, I didn't know. Um, so I didn't perm my hair, but I kept it straight. And when I went to college, I decided to go ahead and relax it. And I have no clue why I relaxed it in college. I just don't know why I did that. But anyways, I cut it off. And then at one point I decided I was just going to go ahead and just go natural after college. But whenever I graduated, it was whenever I went natural. Um, and I just started growing out my hair and even going into work, I remember, which is a whole different time, a whole different, another topic, which I don't know if we'll be able to get into, but being, a, I am a black Christian woman. Okay. I believe that, you know, my sins are paid for by the blood. I am saved. I love Jesus Christ, all of that good stuff. When I graduated from college, I moved to Tucson, Arizona. Okay. People, if you've never been to Tucson, Arizona, and you're a black person, you'll understand why this is important because- I'm an HBCU to yeah. Tucson, Arizona. I went oh, from boy. a very comfortable space of where there I see black people every day to every time you see a black person, you're like, I remember one time I was at a grocery store and a black man waited for me just to give me the head nod to acknowledge that he had seen me because we don't see each other out there. It's, it's very few of us. We do not see each other. So when we do, oh, we're going to acknowledge it. We, we go out of our way to acknowledge the fact that we see you. I see you. We see each other. Like we have to make sure we acknowledge that shit. Um, that said, when I was there, the people who I was around, my coworkers and everything, I had this one coworker who I met and we became friends. Um, both, we, we both shared like the fact that we could we both shared our faith, right? Which is a completely different topic when we go into white Christians and eva white evangelists and black Christians, because no matter how Christian I am, no matter how much I can, you know, quote the Bible and no matter how much I can pull wisdom and knowledge from the Bible, am I really saved? I need fixing in some way. And they are going to freedom writers me in the Christian way. You know, like they are going to make sure that they, that my salvation is intact until I'm aligned with their view of Christianity, you know, it's not right. So because, and, and that's the reason why I, I don't attend white churches and not that I have anything against white churches. It's just every white church I've ever been to, I've, I'm looked at as a project that somebody needs to fix. And I'm like, honey, like, and I'm not saying this, I'm saying this in the most humblest way, because I know for a fact that I'm blessed to be <laughs> My black ass is blessed as hell to have the income, the resources, everything I have. But what I don't like, and this is something that God is still working on me because I am not Jesus. So yes, I, I still need to be humbled in some ways, but baby, baby girl, I make more money than you. You don't need to fix me. I'm good. Like I'm straight, honey. Like I'm okay. There's no, you don't need to, there's no, I'm, I'm fine. Like, I pay my, I, I pay my tithes every week. Like I'm fine. Um, I come from like, I had a, great, black a great mother. Um, I was not a crack baby. Like there's nothing like, I don't know what you think black people are, but very few of us are crack babies. Very few. And <laughs> like, I don't understand we why. We're not all losing kids. Isaiah, damn it. Right. <laughs> that is. And when we go to the church, especially when it comes to like, you know, a white, a black person going to a black church, they see us like that's in my experience. I won't speak for everybody, but in my, and I know Jamaica, you spoke on this, how you've been like the token black person at your church sometimes. At my experience, 
that's like what it's been like being like, oh, let us help you. You know, are you really saved? What are, what are you struggling with? And I'm like, well, right now I'm just trying to pay on my student loans. And like, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's my struggle. What are you struggling with? Oh man, that question right there. Like, what, are you struggling with? what are you struggling with? But being in my right? business. <laughs> like that's about that's about all I have to struggle with right now. But it's it's my my spirituality, my view on things. Like I'm not I'm not like you know, they oftentimes and I and I don't mean this to say, and I know it's it's very it's a very classist thing to say, but I don't mean this in a classist way because oftentimes white evangelists see black people as projects mostly projects that need to be fixed because of addiction, because of poverty, because, you know, uh, broken family structure, because of all of certain things that they, that they associate with blackness. And to be completely fair and transparent, people who benefit from welfare, the people who, you know, the, the opioid crisis, which is very sad, it is not run rampant within the black community. That's, that, there's a lot of white people who need help with addiction, I was just going to say it's running rampant in Maine right now. It has been for years and years and years and years and no one's talking about it and no one's doing anything about it and no one's processing that it's right here in our own homes, in our own backyards. And like, it's not whitewash. So I, and, and y'all, this is because of merely, and we can stay on this, um, but we have so many topics that we need to keep going on. But the way that this is transitioned today of something that I want to point out and step in, please, as y'all need to, but the fact that the blackness, you being black in this country, in America, has such a similarity and has been equated with poverty with poorness, with lack of lack of education, lack of wealth, lack of in- the list goes on of lack of mm-hmm. that's associated with blackness is the part that I'm fucking mad that we're still having to recognize like to get people to separate that blackness is not poverty. Not a monolith, not- number one. Amen. <laughs> And it, it, it's not, it's not unintelligent. It's not poverty. It is not broken. It is not X, Y, and Z because that is a conversation that needs to be fucking done with. So we can really deal with poverty, with the brokenness, with, with the fucking hurts of the world and I'm, I'm so angry about that in this moment because black women have had to carry that fucking weight because black women have had to carry the weight of being fucking being black and being fucking in this system of a mandated injustice of your automatically assumed because black all of other and it's not fucking okay. And it's not fucking okay that we're still having to have the conversation that people still see black as all of those things because fucking black women literally have already been trying to say we're changing the fucking world and we have a way just listen the one thing that just keeps oh sorry Trevor. 
I was just going to say the one, the word that's been screaming in my head for probably the past half an hour is education, education. We need to educate everyone the same way about more than just whiteness. We are well beyond. And I know this is like, this is not a hot take, right? This is like obvious, but I'm just thinking about it in listening and reflecting on even my own experiences, right? And me not, not necessarily knowing certain things and not all of that whole thing, right? Like reconciling with my experience and everything and just thinking, man, if we had, if black history was a part of us history, like it's supposed to be, instead of being put into one month, right? Like if, if this, if this, then that all of these thoughts in my head, just keep going education, education, education. Can we just start teaching people that like things that actually happened? I'm I'm sorry. I'm just so mad. I'm like, can we just, Oh, (laughs) Travel, Travel, please. I want (laughs) to, I learned something yesterday because you said just how we associate, because working in social work, we do associate poverty with black and brown people. And I was just thinking a couple of years ago, I asked my mom because I was just like, why is that? So like, not why do we associate it? But why is it even like, why, when I look at, look at statistics, why is that black and brown people? And I was just thinking, so I had a conversation with my friend yesterday, who's super crazy smart and knows so many things. And she was talking about a Cambodian genocide that happened. So she's in her forties. So she was saying how my generation of people that are in Cambodia does not exist. So there was, so the government basically brainwashed these children, the Cambodian children to kill their parents to show their support for the government. So this was a thing that an entire generation was wiped out by their own children. And after the fact, like after they were rescued, I can't remember who rescued them, like from this crazy dictator, tyrannical government, there was no healing from that. They weren't like, hey, we just made you kill, like I know that you know your government just made you kill your parents, but now just go on and have life. So what they did was they continued to have, like they lived, they went to normal lives, had children, and this trauma followed them. Like you, they don't know how to love. They don't know how to parent because they killed them. The fact that you killed your parents, like that's there. So it just reminds me like, so I'm thinking like financially where, where Cambodia stands that has a lot to do with it. And I was just thinking after slavery, what did we have? What did we have that was set in place? Cause that was a super traumatic experience. What did we have that was set in place to put us in any kind of right track? Cause I was thinking like, I was reading something, rereading something and I was like, we talk about the civil rights movement as being 1960s. It was in the 1860s for a whole freaking century. Like that's when the civil rights act was 1866, I think. A whole freaking century where nothing was done and then we're having to do this again and have another civil rights movement. So I'm like, what was done in that community for healing so we could get to someplace? And then like, well, what Patrice, I can't, Patrice Jones, I think is her name is saying, when we do finally pull ourselves up by our bootstraps, you bomb it. So it's like, there's, there's like, when we finally get to a point where I think like we've healed or we've actually can show something for ourselves, it's wiped out. So I'm like, it's like starting over all over again. Cause that was a question I had for my mom. Why can't black people, why can't we get it? 
Like, why are we like, why, why are we still here? Why are we still in the ghettos? Why is this still it's happening? It's not our fault though. Those things are not it's our not fault. Your fault. No, it's not your fault. That's what I'm saying. It's the way that cities were zoned. Like, no, I know that the government it's, it's Black Wall Street that was burned down in Atlanta and literally burned down. It's, yeah. it's the way that cities are zoned and positioned so that Black people live in these these areas where there's food deserts, yeah. there's healthcare deserts, it's it's we're pushed into these places. It's it's whenever black people are are moving into neighborhoods, there's white flight where they leave those neighborhoods wherever black people move into and abandon them. And when they abandon those neighborhoods, all of the big businesses, grocery stores, hospitals, anything that is that gives any sort of quality of life, it moves with the white people. Yeah. Um, so those things are it's. There's nothing that black people have done. This is all a structure of- No, I know that, but I'm saying this was a question that I was asking my mother yeah. to try and figure out why is this, this the, 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 where, why are we still here? What yeah. are the factors that have brought us to this place? Yeah, I know all about redlining. I understand the government yeah. built ghettos. And I understand but, the fact but, that- the fact for you, uh, what? So Travel, so it all goes back to some of the intersectionalities in my mind of the part that of, where I even started saying that I'm so fucking pissed and even as a white girl that I want to fuck it all up and I have no option but to because it's still being perpetuated by the normalization of not talking about it or not dealing with it or still accepting the fact that the electoral college isn't been said fucked away with. We're still not getting certain moves made. We're still watching... Did we really just have a, re a police reform on federal government that we're going to give George Floyd's name and like perpetuate some of that hurt by calling it that, by us taking a step and an excuse of a way I mean, of you some bullshit? Yeah. You see that in like, I was like, we, me and Jerome talking about the other night of just like, they're calling it the George Floyd place. Like George Floyd is yeah. dead. Like he, he is dead. He, he doesn't have a case. You're, you're still making him be the criminal. I mean, it's even like this dumbass debate that folks are having with fucking Dr. Seuss books. Like, it's stupid. Like, no, not a single black person said a damn thing about Dr. Seuss. Dr. Seuss is safe. He loved Dr. Seuss. He loved Dr. Seuss. I got all the places you would go three times. Like, I was like, I love hey, green eggs and ham. I was pissed at them. I'm like, why are you so mad? That the estate from Dr. Seuss is saying, we see where we went wrong. We want to correct it. So therefore, we are pulling out of eight gazillion books that this crazy man wrote. We're pulling six that show Black people in, in likes of images they don't want to be seen in anymore. So we respect that and we want to honor that. And we would like to move forward with the world and say that we stand with you. And yet, and not somehow, even Black people. Right, right. Yes, they had like Nazi shit in there and talk about Jews and all this type of stuff. We get to all of that and y'all still pissed off that think that we're doing it. What the fuck we gotta do with Dr. Seuss? We didn't we didn't say anything about Dr. Seuss. I didn't say I didn't even know damn Dr. Seuss stuff was coming up until the white people started talking about Dr. Seuss. Right. That was their own decision. They are trying to progress and move forward, yet you're still trying to pin it on racism. So you Anybody give it? Oh, and if I see one more day of time that we try to compare Dr. Seuss with Cardi B, I'm cutting somebody in a heartbeat. Thank what? you. Thank you. That's the thing. Jamaica, did you see it? Did you see it? Those yes. were like, 
that we're canceling Dr. Seuss, but the WAP was number one Some in the US. What the fuck does that have to do with anything? People are literally canceling oh, here. What Cardi B and WAP was gonna be equivalent to Dr. Seuss. First off, if your children listen to WAP, that's your own damn fault. But that's no, right. you wanna TikTok and I'm a savage and do all that shit. <laughs> but then all of a sudden, when Dr. Seuss wants to be canceled, you don't want no part of it. Stop dancing. Stop listening to it. Ain't nobody told you to tell your little three-year-old about WAP. It's not Cardi B's fault that your three-year-old is listening to it. So therefore, if you want to read Green Next and Hampton Kid, read Green Next and Hampton Kid. No one is stopping you, but you want to be so far back here removed and not progress that you rather say, fuck you, fuck what you want to believe in. I'm going to read the racist shit from Dr. Seuss instead of just simple 1X, 2X, whatever it says, and, and just do that. I'm just like, what, what y'all do thing you want is, to progress or not? I want to ask those people, do you even know the six? Have you even read those six books that they were reading you haven't. I, I can play. It's not the cat in the hat. It's not green eggs and ham, and it's not all the places you can go. And it's not the little elephant thing. So you you shouldn't even care. But you six books that were removed. I really I don't even know which six, which ones were removed. I read the article and I read all the titles and I had never heard of them before or seen them. They so, were not definitely popular rotation. So a couple of things here that I want to bring to the table of like, so y'all I sat in some of my own guilt post our last conversation of like me getting emotional in the first first conversation none of y'all got emotional and then my white ass is gonna cry and like India is gonna console me and it's gonna be a home moment and it's what it was <laughs> we had also been deal. drinking for two hours give yourself some credit and we got real heated <laughs> and you know pam heated alcohol equals <laughs> So I had to deal with that and then I had to like deal with the fact that then I was mad at myself for being in that space. So then I had to like overcompensate. So I had to be real extra angry in white people's space of like white male space. Okay, that is also my home that causes consequences to then that's my workplace that causes it hasn't caused consequences yet because they're trying to get better. And so it's beautiful. But a white Italian American made the statement to me the other day I am so lucky for the first time in my life to like have a male mentor that I trust but I think it's also partly of it yeah you white but it's also you're white Italian and you had your own whole culture identity thing to deal with and there's a minority struggle that I appreciate you but this white Italian American man in his mid-50s on the Dr. Seuss topic goes I was watching an episode of Seinfeld last night and they were at a Chinese restaurant in Chinatown like whole nine and it was so inappropriate. I was uncomfortable, but it was also funny, but I was really uncomfortable. (laughs) And then I'm just asking myself through all this Dr. Seuss stuff, when have we gone too far? And I just exploded. When he asked me that, I exploded. I was like, you've not gone too far until we've stopped making it about a color issue and start dealing with the fucking poverty issue. And that was a moment of anger that I, I don't know. It just felt real. It just felt this weird space of like, what the fuck is that? Why is it that... 
you're black that we're still in this conversation. Why is that a part of it? That's not going anywhere. I, I mean, from the dawn of time, we've heard about this forever and it's not just in this country, it's everywhere. Like we act like this is just an American issue and it's not like there's the caste system in India, like anywhere that there are people that look different, there is always gonna be a racial issue. I just think that yes, we can progress further than we were yesterday, but are we ever gonna progress to where it's not an issue anymore? No, I'm just being honest. Like it's always gonna be. I feel like it just keeps shape-shifting and changing forms. So like, it's it's a different, there's a different thing as to why, you know, like I think about my parents' generation thinking that being colorblind was the answer, right? Clearly that's not the answer because we're still here, but like all those different shapes and shape shifts and different forms, like it just is going to keep, okay, we got caught this way. Let's try this way. Okay. We got caught this way. Let's try this way. Like I just, I I feel that. It's almost like we're in, like in America though, we, we say we're this nation. Like we say, give me, give me your poor, give me your weary, get like, we say liberty and justice for all the 14th amendment that we're all created equal. Like the thing about it is that all black people want is equality. Like we just want for you to stand for what you stand for. Like, so if I go, you keep saying, go back to these countries, people are fleeing these countries because America says what they say they want to be. But yet when they get here, you're not upholding those words. That's not true anymore. And so my thing is, is like, okay, so we came here. Also, plug if you have not watched Amend, watch Amend on Netflix. Oh, so good. Amendment, so good. And it just breaks down of like people being people, and and how we want their right and why that shouldn't. Like I'm so damn sick of fighting for things that you shouldn't have to fight for. Like just being a human being, especially in a country that says that we should all just be human beings and that we should all just be created equal and that we should all just have this, like, and that's my biggest frustration with it is like, I am, I know that it is a blessing and a privilege to live in America because I know what other people face in other countries. What I am saying though, is that we sit there and we stand, we say we stand by these list of rules and this constitution and this and these words, but we don't though. We, we don't stand by those words. I am obsessed with Hamilton through and through. Yes. I got it tatted right here. I am a noble, I am a noble. I got it all. I love it. I listen <laughs> every damn day. And I, I love the words of it and I love the cast of it because it depicts what I want America to look like so bad. Like I want that because that's what uh, Lynn said he wanted with doing that. He's like, I, I do not want to erase what America was built on and found on, founded on because in all reality, whether we agree with it or not, those people are the ones that fought for where we could get to. And so they did the things they thought were right, whether they were wrong, whatever, that's how it is. But that's what we were founded on but i want to show that by what we look like now so we gotta find some type of middle ground but we can't do that so is it is it jamaica is it the middle ground though is it the fact that for america to stand on that space right for if we if we go to america if we're just talking america to actually be what america says it's gonna be White America has to take a step back to recognize the equity that is needed right. for the and equality. That's, and, that's the problem. and that's the problem. They, you, 
why people don't want to take that step back because it takes you to a place of responsibility and accountability that you don't want to be accounted for. And like you said earlier, and like I've always said, I'm not asking you to feel guilty about being white. I, and as a believer I, in Christ, as a believer in Christ, I cannot ask you to feel guilty for being white, as opposed to I can't be feel guilty to being black, because if I said that I'm a believer in God, then I believe that you are made in the same image as God that I'm made in. So therefore, I cannot, I cannot hate you because of the fact that you were white. So therefore, but what I am saying is, yeah, we, we have to come to an agreement that you have to do some re reflecting on from day one of when this shit was all still in the first place and how you have continually benefited from day one from that. And it was just like, you know, like, like Travell had mentioned um, that girl earlier in her, um, in her video, she talked about playing the game of Monopoly. And she said, if you play Monopoly for 400 rounds and you didn't get to have any money, you can own any property and then you play for hundred more rounds and everything that you did, you had to give back to those people. And then you had to catch up. You can't do it. You can't do it. And so it's just like, okay, when are you going to cut some slack for the people that have 500 years of catching up to do? And just like MLK said, and when he was arrested and he was just like, okay, when, when do we stop waiting? It's been a hundred years since the civil war. Now we're in the civil rights movement. Now MLK has been dead for 50 years. We're still waiting. Can't protest this way. Can't protest that way. What? What? So what you're really telling us to do is shut up and, and be grateful for what the little you do have and stop bitching about what you don't have because all you want is equality, but we can't give you that because we still think- we're Like still equality would take away from us when really- Right. right. Yeah. Like and did, did, did y'all know that even, and this literally goes into a whole nother space, but like talking of intersectionality, you know, MLK was only chosen for MLK's position and voice because the other alternative was okay. a queer black man. Yeah. We still worked with MLK, who MLK still made yes. sure he had a position to help yes. him. He was never given the credit he was due. But yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, James Baldwin. And I'm sorry that his name is escaping me right now, but James I learned it on the mend the other night. It wasn't James Baldwin. No, it wasn't James Baldwin. No, it wasn't James Baldwin. No, Baldwin. I'm sorry, his name is escaping me, but I'm about to look it up. Yeah, um, but yeah, he put in a lot of a lot. He he organized the Million Man March. That was him. That Philip was Randolph. Him. Yes, he Philip was, Randolph. Yes, that's it yes. was MLK who did the the first million the march on on uh, Washington. But he's the one who was the brain power, the organizer, everything behind it. He did the March on Washington, the Million Man March. That he was just couldn't be the face of it because they knew that he would be even less likely than MLK. Yeah. Who all of you folks of listening, like we're not not unknown of white people. You did not like MLK when MLK was saying what was no, real. No, you did no, not. And you've only no, been taking the good happy right. quotes for how many years? That's what, okay. So you guys, I actually- India, please keep, please keep this going. There was something that I wrote. I'm gonna see. Hold on. Let me read. Let me read it to make sure it's applicable here. So something I wrote. So this was back during the time this summer, um, whenever George George Floyd had died, and all the white people were coming out doing their. I'm gonna be reading this book because I, as a white person, see what is happening in America, and this is ridiculous. I'm reading these books. I am going to go to these courses. I will listen to black people. So one of the things I wrote like a little 
post about a few things that white people can do. Um, one of the things that I talked about was MLK, like stop cherry picking pieces of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. speeches to black people. Um, stop quoting cherry pick pieces of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. speeches to black people. He was not talking to us in his speeches. He was talking to y'all. He was the voice of black people. He was telling white people to do their own self-reflection. Dr. King's protests typically started with marching hand in hand and ended with people being tear gassed because a lot of people were saying, we don't understand why you're rioting, why the protests are like this and why things have to be burnt down, which I, that I have more thoughts on that, but I won't get into it right now. But anyways, the, his protests were always peace, peaceful that ended in tear gas and hoses being sprayed and being chased by dogs. The violence came from officers who were there trying to silence them. So stop telling black people, I don't have a problem with protests. I just don't like it when dot, dot, dot. If you think there's a better way to protest, then pull up. My mama always said, if you want something done right, do it yourself. Well, if you feel the protests are being done wrong, then go out and protest yourself until then, shut up. Um, yes. So that was my only thing that I had from like, as far as like Dr. Martin Luther King and white people cherry picking pieces of the things that he says, you know, as far as him being like the token black man here, whenever, in fact, he's not y'all token. Y'all killed him. Like, what do you mean? Like, we're not gonna, we're not gonna sit here and pretend that the man was not assassinated. Assassinated. Like he was assassinated because people couldn't get with his message. Okay. And we're not even gonna sit and pretend like there's a reason why the black activists from the, what was that? 1965. My mama was born in 1958. Now she did pass away last year, but there, those people are only like 60 to 70 years right. old. Yeah. They're still, they still have their good mind with them. Right. Most of the activists, black Panthers, um, the black student union, all of these people have are in jail right now. We don't know their names many of them, there are many black people sitting in jail who are part of the Black Panthers um, who have been silenced, whose names have been covered up so much by, and excuse me, because I, I always say Centerpoilo, but because that's the way I read it, but it's definitely not how you say it, but the point of the FBI organization that was deemed unlawful, um, that was deemed, that was there to like silence and uh, get all these black people, round up all the Black Panthers and uh, murder them, put them in jail. Most of the black people who are in jail who are Black Panthers or previous Black Panthers are in jail because they murdered a cop. Mm. Yeah, and, and these are these are two situations. One was a cop being murdered on the New Jersey Turnpike, which Asada Shakur was a part of, who is now living in Cuba as a political, um, uh, why is the word escaping me? You guys know what I'm talking about. A political, uh, there we go. Thank you. A political <laughs> refugee in Cuba. <laughs> Um, and then there's others that who are actually in jail right now who are, you know, um, convicted of murdering a cop in Philadelphia. And there was one more incident in Atlanta. All these people are, are convicted of murdering one cop in three different, so three cops, but all these, all yeah. these people, about over 17 people convicted of murdering three cops. It is, it is, and, and recently one guy was actually let go because they realize that this is, you know, he's not guilty here. None of them are guilty here. Like they've, all of our black leaders have been silenced or murdered. And there's a reason for that because black people are not deserving of equality in this country or equity in this country. And it, it, the thing about the Black Panthers were they didn't really even care about us assimilating and getting equality. They just wanted us to have our own protection. The Black Panthers set programs that 
the very first public health center were Black Panthers. The feeding children in the morning time, the very first like uh, system of making sure that children had free breakfast in the morning, Black that was Panthers. developed by Black Panthers. Lecrae put that in one of his songs. He said, y'all grew up thinking that the Panthers was a terrorist. I grew up hearing how they fed my mama's and my mama eggs and grits. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So these things, you know, these things were seen, you know, they the, the FBI uh, painted, you know, the Black Panthers as a terrorist organization when really it was a community resource for Black people that they just took away because Black people don't deserve those resources. Same like if they what they did to Black Panthers is basically what they did to Black Wall Street. They just burned right. it down. Right. And so the, the fear of what happens if they succeed, that yes. we can't let that and, happen. And with this, I want us all to commit to this is not the last episode of The Blunt and Curious that y'all will be on. Do I have a yes? You will you all do yes. this again. Absolutely. Yes. Okay. Yay. I I want to respect the fact that Erica is on the East Coast and has a Monday morning job and it is it is pushing East Coast time though we with this white folks listening of India everything that you just said makes me angry I guess happy (laughs) that things like the United States versus Billie Holiday is on Hulu. White people, do your job and at least learn how to take a position and empathize with somebody else. Because if you want to know what the equity looks like, think about Billie Holiday. We are literally, we've been given all of the options. There could not be more resources. There is literally no excuse. They're putting it on mainstream streaming services now you have no excuse so erica erica to that you have no excuse not to at least educate yourself now educate yourself now to recognize that billy holiday even wanted you to know 40 fucking years ago that right. we as white people had an opportunity to health care and for visibility that even a black woman that you loved so much as entertainment, you couldn't even give the same grace for. And I just, yeah. yeah. I just, India, before Trevor, I hear, before I hear you know. <laughs> from another white person, how are we still here in 2021 before you've even tried? I just don't, that's all I have to, that's sorry. I'm just, I don't want to. <laughs> India, Travel, Jamaica, anything else? And I'm giving this as our cue of Erica and how we're going to handle the ending of space. Oh, are you asking me? No, I'm asking our, our guest today. I was going to say. Close this out. Yeah. All yes. I have is like my last thing is let me see I think I deleted it I'm pretty much memorized it is a quote from my Angela that I put up on my um, post a couple days ago and I can't I don't know where it is but basically like it's somewhat along the lines of if you know better do better like do the best you can with what you have or with what you know and when you learn better do better like and I'm paraphrasing because I don't remember specifically what she said that's pretty much do the best you can with what you have and when you learn more and you learn better do better Yes. Um, 
I have one, only one thing that I don't have a quote to end it with. Um, but I do have a, a plug, another plug for someone who I want to plug that I don't know personally, but she is a social activist. She is a professor. Um, her Instagram handle is I heart Erica, I-H-A-R-T-E-R-I-K-E-R-I-C-K-A um, on Instagram. She does the work for free in many places, in many times, and it's not her burden to bear. It's no black person's burden to bear to do the work, but she does the work for free on her social um, and she does the work for pay because she is an educator herself. Um, but this is her mission. And if you want to learn more, then don't ask your black friends to teach you, go out and seek the information. She is a great resource. Additionally, she does uh, every now and then she does um, a reparations post where she encourages her white followers who are, if they really wanna pull up and really put their money where their mouth is literally to pay black people, play, uh, pay black creatives. She encourages her black followers to put their, you know, their handles for Venmo and PayPal and whatever the fuck else in the comments and literally send them money. Um, and I think that is genius. And I don't think that there is any shame in that. I think that it's a, great way to actually to literally put your money where your mouth is if you really want to see generational wealth even if it's like five dollars i mean that's still a way of like showing i honor and respect the space that you have here and i honor and and i see the space where i'm at in my life versus where you're at in your life and i respect that and i am going to back that up by this donation to you as a black person um so i highly encourage everyone following her again her handle is i h a r t E-R-I-C-K-A on Instagram. So that is my plug um, for I Heart Erica because she has educated me in many ways and she does the work and I appreciate her. So my plug is I've been obsessed with uh, Patricia A. Taylor lady, thoughts from her black friend. She's on a few podcasts and works with uh, Latasha Morrison for Brill the Bridge um, out in Atlanta. Um, so that is her and she's in this awesome podcast a couple of weeks ago and she ended it with if you want to listen to your black friend then who will you listen to and that for me just solidifies everything that if like you want to be a part of the change and for some reason I just have a feeling that the people that need to listen to this won't be listening to this but whatever hopefully it gets to you but if you will not listen to the black people in your life who are sharing these things with you then who will you listen to so Patricia A. Taylor, Thoughts from Your Black Friend, Truth's Table, uh, with all of them, those podcasts, excellent resources. But like uh, Erica said, there's there's no reason why you, you need us to plug people because there's just access to everything. Absolutely. So listen to the people around you um, and understand that. And it's been great. Thank you. Oh, my one last thing, and I'm sorry, I know that we're at time. Um, one last thing, if you, whenever you listen to this and you listen to the things that we say and you, all you have is rebuttal, then clearly the rebuttal, what we're saying is targeted towards you. So you should feel attacked. That's my personal opinion. <laughs> and India, Al. I love that. Oh, boy. So, I mean, do you want to plug anything else for your personal selves? Is there anything that you want to plug of your own? Or <laughs> if y'all really want to help a, a, a woman of color out, my memo is at Jamaica Brown. At, at, uh, we can throw at, all your memo yeah, in here. You know, okay. Like, I was saying, I don't need a white savior, but bitch, save me the fuck. Um, <laughs> 
Mine is I mean, at India Rose. I can't Rose. promise. I can't promise. Okay. R O S E on Venmo. All right. Real laugh, real quick. No spaces, no under things, no nothing. Okay. Okay, who's next? Travelle. Venmo, correct? India, this is Venmo. I don't even remember my Venmo. My cash app name is dollar sign, like the symbol, not. Yes, no, I know. I'm familiar with how they do their their usernames. I hate you, Travelle. I just want you to know that I hate you. Dollar sign, Travelle. Dollar sign. Mine is at Travelle. Dash Robinson, no dollar sign. Okay, anyway, I'm gonna need I'm gonna need all of y'all to stop because we have more intelligence and like technology than that, and I can like handle because I have all of your phone numbers. I need recorded, and Erica, you can do some devil's magic of learning your own editing capabilities. Of Travel has to do the Pam tagline, and it has to be in there. <laughs> you ready? Are you ready for it? All right, I'm I'm ready for it. This is this is this is it. This is the close, folks. <laughs> Pam and Pam, what's up, baby? <laughs> Forever, <laughs> always. Forever. I love that. Halfway across campus, it's Pam. Pam and Pam, what's up, baby? <laughs> Well, as you've listened to part two, and we've got all the giggles and funny because really when we're, when we are sitting in space and hearing other folks' experiences and we're living in that experience together, learning from one another, listening to one another, it's so refreshing to be able to laugh about the funny things or just to sit in however we can tap into humor. But at the end of the day, we're still all learning. We're learning how to interact with one another. We're learning how to support one another. So that was one of the things, definitely if you're using black voices, queer voices, et cetera, any folks of color, if you're leveraging them for your own resources of support or however you're interacting, support black women for sure, for sure. Give them monies, um, support the things that you're asking for them to deal with as they are sharing their experiences and having to live through their stories and retelling of their stories every day. It means a lot. Reach out with support, monetary support, et cetera. But again, it's all part of the learning process of supporting one another as we are learning and supporting the resources that are teaching you things. And with that, I really, really appreciate how Erica has been able to actually talk to me about some of the things that she's learned and it really resonated with me. So I'm going to hand it over to Erica as we've closing out part two and going to go into other fun parts of this mini series coming up in the next few weeks. Erica, can you tell us a bit about how you sat through this post-star conversation with India, Jamaica, and Travel? Yeah, so it was actually, it was during the editing process of um, this first, well, we recorded it all. Part one and part two were all recorded as one big conversation. So my initial editing process going through that, you know, listening to all of it as one big conversation I sat with it some time after, um, you know, after listening through all the way. And I just, I sat down and I just free flowed with writing and just, so I guess that's what free writing. 
<laughs> words. <laughs> I did some, I did some free writing, um, you know, while my, while my thoughts were there and I kind of just wrote this page out of how I was feeling from, from having the conversations and listening back and, and Pam pointed out, you know, after I had read it to her, it, it almost felt like a monologue and I should just read it to y'all. So I think Before- that's what we're going to do. <laughs> uh, Why you do that, Erica? I just like everybody take from this, like, as you've listened to these episodes and particularly my, our friends that are white, I would urge you to do what Erica did. And as you listen, let yourself process in whatever way is comfortable for you, because you'll never get to know what you can learn from what you're doing or what you're listening to, unless you let yourself process. So I really am thankful that you're willing to share that part of this, Erica. So sorry for cutting you off before you go into your monologue. I just want, before you go into it, I really like, it resonated with me for the way that you got to process through this as you were listening to the editing, since we were in the conversation together. And I think that it's so, so important as a reminder to allow yourself as our listeners, allow yourself the space to take a second to process through how you're thinking. And if you need a pause when you're listening to the episode, because you find that your head's spinning or that you are trying to grasp onto something or you want to look something up, I would urge you to take those pauses and to free write or free think through what you're thinking about. Talk to a friend, et cetera. Yeah. Like it's, it's yep. worth it. It's worth it. You'll never know yeah. how much it means to somebody. <laughs> take, take whatever time you need. Um, and do, you know, do whatever is most comfortable to you to process what you're taking in for information. Cause I think it's more important than anything to normalize learning new information and changing your mind. And really, I think, I mean, for me, I'm a big advocate on writing and journaling. So I think that that's really important in the process, but again, whatever way works for you. Um, so yeah, with all that being said, I will share with you my little page of thoughts here. Um, Yeah. I learned so much from this conversation and even more so as I listened to it editing. I learned where I was trying to assimilate to something I desperately wanted to relate to, but truly never could. I caught myself trying to relate to experiences that may seem similar, but are truly different. And then I had a thought, we're not nearly as different as what we were whitewashed to believe. We all strive to be liked and accepted and have to figure out who we really are and all that comes with that. But I don't have any added challenges because of the color of my skin. I walk the world as a pretty white female that gives the innocent stereotype and my life is automatically easier. And it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like it, right. I'm, I've been really coming to terms with my whiteness and what that entails strongly since last summer. Um, you know, since the, however many umpteenth uprisings we've had, right. Since this most recent, um, shock of awareness to the world, I've been really, really focusing on my whiteness, my experiences and how I've walked through the world and how I haven't realized that I had it easier until now, until I'm starting to learn from black voices and listen to black stories and, and understand that, yes, while I initially am wanting 
and biting my tongue and not responding to say, oh, I've been through something similar, right? It's that it isn't similar because we have different experiences and learning to understand that and accept that, but still also see the similarities in one, like putting all of that together, I think has been the most impactful for my learning that yes, at the end of the day, if we didn't have all of these systems of barriers and we just saw each other as humans trying to figure out who we are, right? Through the ups and downs of what that brings. Like if we could just get to that place, what a world this would be. What a world that would be. And I'm so thankful that you pointed out of recognizing what those, the likeness looks like, but how the system creates those barriers. So I think that that's been the hardest part of even engaging in some of these conversations of what we're doing on the Blunt and Curious, even as we are hearing from experiences of other folks, we love to get into the trenches. We like to be with others and we've all had our own trials and recognizing the privilege of what the whiteness brings to us is not negating the trials or the things that we've experienced, but it's so, so important to recognize that the system doesn't see it that way. The system has been against people of color. The system is still built to impact people of color in negative ways. So thank you so much for processing through that. I could not have even done that better myself of even listening back and being annoyed at where I have like jumped into conversations. And it is a little different of like, I've walked in life with India, Jamaica and Travel at different seasons. And so we had different collective stories together of how we even interacted in the same seasons of certain things, but how it impacted us differently. Um, Mm -hmm. it then is really interesting to take back and get to hear your perspective as someone that hasn't interacted with the folks that we're getting to hear from and in a real life tangible way, but you getting to like, see that even where we have stories and we want to assimilate to something, it's the whiteness of our skin definitely has made it very different. So thank you for being willing to share that with me. Yeah. Well, I mean, it happens in real time in the episode too, right? Like I, we had that moment where we were talking about living in different schools districts than we were going to right and the just the different experience that it had to have been between my family and india's family right just because i didn't we didn't have that skin color barrier to worry about right we didn't have we also didn't have the different like at the end of the day if my if my brother would have had to transfer to the auburn school system it wouldn't have been a different education. It would have been the similar level of education that he was already getting at the school he was already in. So it, there's just so many layers and factors to it. And yeah, in the moment, I just wanted to, you know, share that similar story. And there were a couple of times that it happened to me. And I think that was a big reason why I, I pointed it out in my reflection is that I felt so called and so urged to say, oh my goodness, something similar has happened to me too. And then reflection was, and I did do it. It happened. Like it's on the recording. It's there, you know, but in reflection, I was like, oh, you know, I, I jumped in when I'm really like, it's a similar air quotes situation, but it's also completely different at the end of the day, based on just what we look like. Um, But I am grateful that these women are so patient and caring and loving with us and just, you know, sharing their true authentic stories, um, but also willing to have conversations with us and, you know, involve us in the conversation too, I guess, is where I'm 
I, I was just going to say they have been so willing to involve us in the conversation to the fact that this is going to be a mini series and we may change what parts of what because of the conversations and topics that are coming. But our guests have been so willing and love getting to sit in this space that we do have much more coming, more around school systems and how those things are impacted, what that looks like for people of color, what it looks like for them as Black women and how they interact with it. And so keep staying in tune. And I hope that you take from Erica's even personal reflection as ways that we can all take a step back and realize like where we interact with conversations, not negating to show up. Erica, I think that it's really important to point out to our listeners that you weren't wrong for engaging in those conversations at all in any shape, way, form, or fashion, like being able to find like-mindedness or similarities to meet people where they're at in a conversation, where they're at in their lives. Those aren't negative things, but what makes that even so much more real is that reflection that you did after the fact and like how you address that. And I think that that is even just a, such a beautiful part of the process. And again, as we are talking about whatever's comfortable for you for reflection, et cetera, you'll notice I probably would guarantee that the word think is the most used word in all of our episodes because we are full of thoughts. We are full of spaces of reflection, open for it. How do we think through it? How do we think about it? How do others think about us? And how does that resonate and how we process it? So we think a lot. And that's not bad. And it's not bad to just engage in conversations, but it is really crucial to take those moments of reflection and see where you can learn from those experiences and other voices and how you engage. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think that's, that's such a great point that you make that like we can, and we should be comfortable in pointing out our similarities and celebrating our similarities and conversating about our similarities but we all commiserating, commiserating. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, but we also, you know, have to, as white folk take that into consideration when we were having conversations with our black indigenous, you know, um, friends of color, right. Like taking that into consideration that it may be similar, but there are also differences baked into it naturally just because of the systems that are in place and being able to have those conversations and recognize that is just I speak from experience it's a huge point of growth it's a huge point of understanding and realizations um and it just I don't know it just helps make everything make a little more sense it does and with that Erica I want to absolutely include this black lives matter black lives still matter black lives have always mattered and it's due time that we take some of that reflection and recognize though there are similarities and though you want to fight your own version of like what privileges in association to white skin black lives matter black folks are being impacted different by our system and also so are our aapi community our asian community are being impacted in a very negative way because of this system and what being a person of color looks like, what being other from whiteness looks like in this country. And we want to be fully aware of how we can reflect and grow and keep learning so that we don't have to perpetuate the errors that the system has brought us thus far. Amen. Yes. 
Yes, <laughs> to all of that. Black lives matter, black queer lives matter, black trans lives matter, all black lives matter. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of The Blunt and Curious. You can find us on Instagram at The Blunt and Curious Pod. And if you like what you're hearing, please subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts. Your support, ratings, and reviews help others find us as well. And again, thank you so much for taking time to go on this journey with us.